Welcome to the clan. This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. It's what you're going to need to get your deal. It's what you're going to need to start cash flow. It's not about your talent. It is about your talent, but the talent comes after the business. So you're going to need to sit down at that table and bring some cash flow to the table, bring something important. That's why we called it the CLIMB. It's an acronym, C-L-I-M-B, Creating Leverage in the Music Business. The genius that came up with that is Mr. my co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter, and my good friend. Brent's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Annabellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And what I love about about Brent is that he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro, do business like a pro, and not only that, he actually connects you with the pros. I just don't know what else you could want. So you can find Brent really easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns a Daredevil Production. They help you find your sound and they help you grow your audience so you can become the artist that everybody loves and so you can get paid. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at daredevilproduction.com. That's production, singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. <laughs> What's up, man? Hey, man, I'm doing all right. It's uh, We're actually doing a rare daytime recording, so this is exciting. It's thrilling. I'm drinking coffee instead of water. That's right. I'm uh, drinking water instead of vodka. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's going to decline or improve the quality of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. We'll see. I'll be the judge. You leave a note in the client community on Facebook. Let us know if you can tell. <laughs> So, so I'm ready to go. I'm ready to dive right into this sucker. So this is, uh, I'm happy to say this is one of my episodes I get to drive on. Yeah. So I got I'm some stuff I want to share. So I'm excited. You ready to go? I, I'm ready just to sit, sit shouting and be your Ed McMahon. All right. There we go. All right. So uh, what we're going to call this episode, I believe, is how to make every publisher meeting a success. And uh, which is, you know, if you're a songwriter wanting to get cuts, odds are you're going to have a publisher meeting, whether to set up co-writes, whether to just get them to publish your song whatever it is, you want it to be a success, right? Success generally beats failure. So, and once you know, I felt it, right? And maybe you have too, it's that rush of nerves and adrenaline as you sit across from a publisher or producer or an A&R rep as they listen to your song, right? You're just sitting on the edge of your seat and with each line of your song and you're trying to, to read every little micro expression on their face for some clue of what might be coming next. The bridge! You think if they just listen through the bridge, they're going to love it. And then you know what happens? Nothing. Well, most of the times. Yeah, most of the time the song ends or they hit stop. And that's the moment of truth, right? And you're like, do they love it? Do they love it? Do they love it? Do they love it? And the dice are talking. Do they hate it? Do they hate it? You know, are you about to get discovered as a songwriter? Is your life about to change? Johnny, have you ever had those meetings where you're sitting across from somebody? I know you haven't pursued the professional songwriting thing, but have you had those meetings where you're just oh, sitting yeah. there going, if they just listen to the bridge, if they just do this, if they just do that, they're in. Come on, what are they doing? What are they thinking? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I I did have that, like, trying to be a songwriter when I first got off the road. Okay. Um, and I came to town, so, like, with Kim Tribble, <clears throat> you know? Oh, yeah. Like, and then thinking, like, as I was just kind of looking around, like, because that was the first meeting I had, the first week I was in town mm-hmm. from being on the road playing Rockstar for seven years, and then just thinking, like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, these are rock songs. Like, he's going he's gonna to kick me out of his office. And, you know, he was the sweetheart. And he, was, yeah. and he hooked me up with two other songwriters that are to this day. I still, uh, you know, Michael Salacuse and, and, um, and um, Michael Garvin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they both, you know, very successful at what they do. And, and uh, it just turned out great. But, yeah, I'm just like, oh. Man, What's like, gonna happen? Yeah, yeah, or business, like you know. I mean, hey, I'm growing my company, so we get lots mm-hmm. of bigger at bats with the company. Just happened um, a couple weeks ago, you know, and you're just you're just going to they get it, you know, they get what we're gonna say, and mm-hmm. and you just kind of hold your breath and see what's gonna how, how it's gonna pan out, you know? What yeah, I mean? yeah. <clears throat> Kim is a good, good dude. I've written with him before, and, and he can rock. So I don't think he's scared to rock if it's if it's he wasn't scared time. me at all. He he liked him too. He's like, dude, this yeah. is a killer, man. Like, I gotta hook you up with Michael Garvin, who wrote Waiting for Tonight for Jennifer Lopez. I mean yeah. uh, and wrote um a huge George Benson hit. I can't remember the name of the song, but he's written, I don't know, eighteen or nineteen number ones. First number one, he was eighteen years old. Like he's he's, he's sick. And yeah, and Salacuse, <clears throat> we became good buddies and, and um he just produced like a, and he, like a, like a record for for one of my artists, so like, awesome. a, like a pop record. Like he's he's my guy for pop. Like he can do some crazy stuff, so it was cool. Cool, awesome. Yeah. Well, I've been there, obviously. You know, as a songwriter sitting across, and you play your song for publishing. This is you know before you had anything going on, and after you have something going on, it, it never really changes too much. If you're you're hoping to get something from that meeting, so and you're hoping to get discovered, right? And so it's awesome if you get discovered. It's your first publisher meeting or, or you haven't had any cuts yet or whatever. And it's, you want to get discovered. You want them to do backflips over the you know table and, and hug you and open their window and yell to the world, ha ha, I found them first, music pro. <laughs> you know, that's what you want. Uh, but what if they don't do that, right? Um, what if they just go, that's cool. You know, can you, can you still turn that so-called failure into a success? You know, if they don't do that. Because it feels like a they, failure, right? Right there, it feels yeah. like a failure. Because yeah, it's just underwhelming, right? It's underwhelming. Like, they're, they're not yeah. as excited as you thought they were going to be. They like, aren't offering you a publishing deal. They're going, yeah it's, yeah, it's all right. Or, you know, they offer feedback on how it can be better. But they're just like, okay, on to the next song. You mm-hmm. tell they're not flipping out of your song. So, it, can, it feels like a failure because you went in with a goal of backflips and you got more of a flop, right? Mm-hmm. So, how do you how do you turn that failure into success? Because that's the goal for this episode is to help you turn every single publisher meeting into a success, no matter what. All right. So, and I believe you can do that. Now, it may not be the success you were thinking of, but you can turn it into a success. And it's like, almost like in football, take what the defense gives you. You're right. Yeah. Not every play is designed to go for a home run. That'd be nice. And I mean home run. I know I'm mixing my metaphors. Not every play is meant to be a touchdown, but you take what the defense gives you, you just keep on driving. So I believe you can you can turn every publisher meeting into a success, um, even though it's frustrating. You know, I mean, there's a long list of publishers who did not, quote unquote, discover me before Monday Morning Church came along. I mean, everybody, everybody passed on that song. I mean, everybody passed on Monday Morning Church that I could play it for. And ended up, ended up going top five for country arts, you know, for Alan Jackson. So that song was successful, 
but a lot of people didn't hear it as being successful. Everybody passed on it. And that was disappointing to me. Not that I believed it was a top five hit or, a, you know, I believed in the song. It was one of my best songs, but it was still, it felt like a failure when they go, nah, you know, it was pretty sad. Can, can I, can I interject for a second? Yeah. A quick point. <clears throat> so, cause we've talked about this in so many other areas, but it, and this is a, just a little off topic, but I think it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's important is after your song was rejected by everybody, Monday Morning Church, did mm-hmm. you change any lyrics? No. Did you change the melody? <laughs> not uh, not geared toward that myself. Did, did, no. you, did, you, did you kick out Aaron and find another songwriter and try to revamp it and spend a bunch of work trying to figure out why they didn't like it? No. Thank goodness, no. So, so this, the song didn't change. The lyrics, you know, the lyrics didn't change. The melody didn't change. The song didn't change. The writers didn't change. The only thing that changed after you got that cut was the perception, right? Right. And I think that that's what's lost on a lot of people. I mean, there's a certain level of self-awareness that artists and songwriters have to have to know whether or not you're competitive or not, mm-hmm. right? Like you knew in your heart, because you had the guts and the, and the feeling to go and pitch that song to begin with, that it was competitive, right? Yeah. Like I think this could be a cuttable song, right? Mm-hmm. This is yeah. not a B song. It's not a sing C song. And I, I have like, you know, some of my younger artists suffer from the whole... This, I just wrote this song. It's the best song ever. You know, yeah. that, that sort uh-huh. of sickness. They don't have enough of a perspective. I think maybe after you write 50, 80 songs, you start to realize, okay, this is a B song. Like, this is going to mm-hmm. go over in this pile here. And I'm happy about the process. I learned something, but it's, it's not, not necessarily a hit song. Right. But, but even for, like, you know, everybody passed on, every record label passed on Van Halen twice, you know. Right. Everybody passed on Florida Georgia Line. Uh, mm-hmm. and, then, and then they were a big hit uh, doing it themselves. And then big machine sign them. And the only thing that changed was the perspective. So, Mm -hmm. or the perception. So my point in this is that it really just requires consistency and just going out there and trying to make it work. If if you can't get in the front door, get in a side window. If you can't get in a side window, get in the back window. If you can't get in the the back window, get in the back door. If you can't get the back door, go to the basement, come up through the stairs, like whatever you can do to get it in to change that perception, Mm -hmm. but know that the body of work that you have, if it really is competitive, right? If it's not, if it's not, if you're not delusional, Right. Okay. Uh, if it really is competitive, that uh, you just need to find the one break, but keep working. Right. And so it doesn't mm-hmm. work with the just write one song and see how it goes. Right. Doesn't work with that. It doesn't work with that. You know, you just got to keep writing, keep writing, keep writing, keep writing. And then if your break has longer, it takes longer to happen. When you do get that break, you've got this whole big body of work that all of a sudden, cha-ching, 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 mm-hmm. cha-ching. Like, it value goes on all those songs, they're going to want to hear everything. And, and the perception changes, and now these songs are real. So it's, it's really, you've got to understand it's about perception, too. So, so take that into your artist heart, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, factor that into your artist heart when you're in that moment of failure and saying, okay, this is just perception. Mm-hmm. And... And then I, I, maybe that's a whole nother episode where we talk about like, where does, where does, where does factoring that in cross the line into you're not competitive, you know? Like, uh, yeah. Are, are I think you, that is a, a whole episode's worth because that's the thing. It's, and one thing um, with Monday morning church is one reason we didn't go back and change stuff is they, they weren't asking for changes. They weren't picking out specific things that they didn't like about it. It kind of what usually why people would pass would be, just kind of based on what it was. It is a sad song. It's a slow song. 
one person said, oh, it's got a lot of religious imagery in it. I'm like, yeah, it's called Monday Morning Church. We can't. <laughs> Starting with the title. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't take that out. It would gut the whole thing. And so nobody else was saying, oh, there's a little thing here in the second verse you need to work on, or I got lost here. I got, we weren't getting that sort of feedback, at least on my end, I wasn't. Aaron, her publisher was already working it. So he loved mm-hmm. it. He's the one who demoed it. So um, we weren't getting those kind of, that kind of feedback. He was just like, yeah, I, I get it. It's just not killing me. Yeah. So I would have been open for, for changes. And I think you need to be, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, on that one, I, weren't, I wasn't getting specific feedback that um, led to any sort of changes or anything. So, okay. um, but I think how you can make every publisher meeting a success, even if it's frustrating, disappointing, a so-called failure, is that you find the hidden opportunity every time you play a song for a pro, whether you know it's a publisher or an A&R or anybody like that, even if it's another writer and just say, hey, I want to play some songs, get some feedback. Even if they pass on, there's a, there are some hidden opportunities in there that you can make that meaning a success. So I want to talk about those today. You ready for number one? Number one. All right. Number one, don't miss the opportunities that come with disappointments. Um, you have the... Uh, the first thing you do, you have the opportunity to close your ears and your mind to anything the pro says. This is an opportunity you should pass up. All right. You should pass up the opportunity to close your ears and your mind to anything else the pro says. Okay. So you're free to assume that just because the pro doesn't love your song, that they obviously don't know what they're talking about. Okay. You also have the opportunity to become bitter, blaming your lack of success on, you know, politics or tone deaf music executives or the music business or whatever. Obviously, I don't recommend you, you take either of those opportunities. Okay, so that's the first hidden opportunity. That's the one that a lot of time will be someone's default setting to take that opportunity. And that is definitely, you know, grasping defeat out of the jaws of defeat, <laughs> you know, right. if you do that. So don't turn a, a disappointment into a defeat. And that's how you do it. Is you just go, you know what? You don't know what you're talking about. I'm just shutting my ears to you. I'm going to roll on because I know everything. You obviously don't know anything. So don't do that one. All right. So there's a fine line. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon.
All right, the second one, you have the opportunity to learn where the songwriting bar is set. Mm-hmm. And this is a big opportunity. So, I mean, you thought your song was there, but now you know you have to elevate your craft. Just knowing you have to get better is a huge gift and you don't want to miss it. I mean, going in and I, and I still do that, you know, you play for a publisher and they, you know, maybe the market shifts. I'm, I mean, I've had that with a publisher before when, or a guy that was working at a label, played him some songs and he gave me the thing about the nineties, you yeah. know, saying some of my stuff that I played for him that particular occasion was, you know, kind of, I don't know, dated, but it was, I was communicating in a way that people weren't communicating so much at that point. Then he says something like, uh, yeah, these sound like hit songs. And you're like, yeah, he goes, yeah, in the 90s. 90s. <laughs> he's, like, he, he's like, you'd have been one of the biggest writers in town in the 90s. I was like, I didn't get here till 2002. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Ego check. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was an opportunity. I could have just shut my ears to him and said, and I had, I had friends that were, you know, when I told them about that meeting, they're like, oh, he doesn't know who he's talking about. You're a great writer. You're blah, 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 blah. I was like, uh-uh, I'm going to listen to it. For one thing, he's, at in a good position at a label works with people has success. I'm going to run it through what I think I'm going to look at it honestly and try to divorce my ego from it and say, is that true? Is that not true? Is this really where the bar said? I looked at it. You know what? He was right. People were communicating, starting to communicate differently and I hadn't quite picked up on it. So it was an opportunity for me to learn where the bar is set. And it was a chance for me to go back and kind of retool and, and reframe how I did some things. That was a good thing. That was an opportunity to have success out of that disappointing meeting. I was hoping he was going to do backflips, you know? Yeah. And didn't happen, but I learned from that. And in that meeting were seeds of future success since then I've written other songs that have gotten cut and that sort of thing. And, and I owe part of that to him disappointing me over sushi that day. The sushi was good. The conversation was hard. <laughs> you know? The conversation was tough. <laughs> sushi was- sushi, the, the, the eel was soft. The conversation was hard. So, yeah. That's a, that could be a line. Like, a little bit, but that could be a good line to song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Sushi was, I don't know. The anyway. spaghetti was al dente. The conversation was hard. Hard, right. <laughs> so that's one thing. You, you have the opportunity to learn where the bar is set. To go, oh, okay, this not, the finish line didn't really where I thought it was. Or I thought I was trying to high jump over four feet. It's actually at eight feet. I got some more work to do. Just knowing that is valuable if you open your mind up to it. All right, you ready for another one? Yeah. All right. You have the opportunity to display professionalism. And this is a big opportunity here. So, um, you know, don't turn, I don't love your song into, I'm never meeting with you again. Okay. Don't, don't get angry or defensive or try to talk the pro into liking your song. You can't argue someone into liking your song if they don't like your song. Instead, you'll just argue them into disliking you and your song. Okay. And that again is failure out of disappointment. And can, can, can I can I step in there for a second? No, I'm going to mute you. Okay, here we go. Anyway, going on with our no. Well, go ahead. We, we talked about. Um, I'm bringing this to songway, but we talked about Babe Ruth, right? Got all the home run records. Uh huh. Also the strikeout records. Exactly. Yeah. And Brett Favre, like got like tons of passing records. Like he's mm-hmm. going to be in the Hall of Fame of Hall of Famers, like one of right. the best quarterbacks ever. Also, he's got the most interceptions. Yeah. Right. So. I'll, if you think about this, because you only hear about Shane, like somebody like Shane McAnally, mm-hmm. and, and, um, and um, 
Ashley uh, Gorley and those. Yeah, all these big songwriters. Yeah. But all you hear is about their hits on the radio. Mm-hmm. But there's never been a show where they just said, well, how many songs did they pass on? Yeah. Because those guys, because they're pros, because they're hit songwriters, everybody's going to listen to their song. So they get way more pitches than the mm-hmm. normal songwriters going to get. They do. They're going yeah. to get considered way, like a, a lot more times. I promise you that they've had a lot more failures Mm-hmm. Then I mean, what, how many hits does Shane McAnally have? Like, like number ones, maybe. He what? has all the ones that uh, Ashley Gorley doesn't. Okay, <laughs> so they split them in the last go. couple of years. Um, but you they, see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they have a lot, and you don't hear what goes on behind. You know, it's it's the it's the survival bias, right? Like, we only hear mm-hmm. the good stuff. But I promise you that if you're thinking like a pro, if we go to Pressfield, you know, um, mm-hmm. it, you you those guys get rejected more than any of us all put together. Yeah, they do. Yeah, Yeah, because more people are calling and asking for their songs. So more people are hearing their songs to be able to pass on. Uh, I just heard an an interview and somebody mentioned that Rodney Clawson, who's a great hit writer, who's had like 23, 24, 25 number ones. Well, he's he's written. He he could be pro. Yeah, he's doing all right. (laughs) Um, So huge songwriter, top, you know, 99.9 percentile of of his field. Uh, But... Yeah, but how many songs? And he gets up and he goes to work every day. Yeah. So and he's been doing that for years, mm-hmm. and he's had twenty five more number ones than most people. But how many songs has he written? Thousands. Yeah. That didn't go number one. There you go. You know, even Shane McAnally or Ashley Gorley. I hear that he's kind of a, a two songs a day kind of guy. So yeah, okay. So even if he's had like thirty something number ones as a writer, well, that's uh, it's only about half a month's worth of songs. Yeah, if and you do a day and getting two thousand failures, or about a month's worth of songs, you know that went number one. Of course, he's had other cuts and stuff, but after out of all the years he's been writing, most of the time, most of his stuff doesn't get cut either. And so, you think he's getting mad and blowing people up if they don't cut a song, they don't like it, or whatever? No, that's yeah. you know cutting off your nose to spite your face. So, uh, uh, the opportunity to display professionalism means okay. Here's your chance to be courteous respectful and thankful when the pro passes on your song and they don't love you or they don't love you as a band or whatever to be like, all right, thank you. Hey, any, any sort of feedback and just be hungry for that and go, Hey, Hey man, I appreciate the time. I appreciate you being honest with me. You know, you have any other advice or anything, which is respectful to that person. And so you accept any feedback with grace and humility. And that goes a long way into making you likable. So even if they don't love your song, they can come away from that meeting liking you and wanting you to succeed. So, and if the pro likes you also, you have a lot better chance of getting another meeting. So you can turn, not only can you, they pass on that song, they can pass on any other meetings or songs they might hear from you. If you're a jerk and you're combative, you're not thankful, you're just there to get discovered and that's all you care about. Then I'm like, I'm not in a hurry to meet with that person again. But if you're thankful, you're taking notes, you're respectful, they're more likely, even if the songs aren't there, to take another meeting with you in the future because you're so respectful of them. Everyone likes that. And they're like, okay, well, this person, even if they're not there yet, they're going about things a good way. They may get there someday because they seem teachable. They seem like, I bet the next batch of songs is going to be better. And I've had that with, um, you know, I used to do a lot of coaching for NSAI. And some people walked in there and were humble and thankful 
and they would just absorb everything I had to say. Not that they were going to like, I want to go change everything based on what you said, but they were receptive. Yep. And most of the time I was not doing backflips over songs. All right. It was like, all right, well, here's some flaws in here. Some things I like, some things I don't here. You know, I'm going to challenge you here, here, and here. Some people were open to that and they were just more likable. I'm sure mm-hmm. largely because of that. Other people were just combative, kind of like, well, what have you done? I'm like, uh-uh. Um, <laughs> well, how much time do you got? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a reason I'm on this side of the desk. No, no one knows everything, but come on. Don't be a jerk. I'm not being a jerk. So other people more combative. Other people um, were just like, well, what about this song? What about this song? As soon as I'm like, ah, I'm not crazy about that. What about this one? Because they're just looking to get discovered and that's not professional. They're not engaging in a dialogue. I'm just, uh, they're just looking to get something from me other than better. They just want to get discovered. Right. So not professional. Those people I, I was not in a hurry to meet with again. I'm not going to go out of my way to help them because they're not helpable. They already know everything. Apparently I have nothing to teach you. Let's just roll on and get through this hour. But the people that were hungry to get better and they want to learn, they're coachable. I'll start walking through the song with them, giving them ideas because I want to help them because they're helpable. Yeah. So it draws better out of me. It makes me want to help you. So you're going you to the, gain more. You're going to get, you're going to get better. If yeah. you, if you, if you play the cards the way that you just described, mm-hmm. because you're going to get some input and you're going to get, because they want you, they got to want to work for you. You yeah. know? Yeah. There you go. And which leads right into the other thing is the other opportunity is the opportunity to learn and get better. So too many songwriters are so focused on getting discovered that they miss the chance to get better. It's like some of those people I was just telling you about who are like, well, okay, what about this one? What about this one? What about, they aren't interested in feedback. They're just interested in getting discovered. And it's a mistake to tune out once you realize the pro doesn't love your song, kind of back to our our first opportunities, the opportunity to tune out. Um, Because sometimes they'll give you little reasons why they're passing on your song. And those are little golden nuggets. Now, it may not be, it may not mean that you need to go ahead and change your song to fit every one of those little reasons why they passed, like we talked about with Monday Morning Church. I didn't go back and take out, say, the religious references. There wouldn't have been much left. You know, it would have been a completely different song. Oh, it's pretty sad. It's kind of got to be. You know, mm-hmm. that's not my only song. I got other songs that are happy. This wasn't Sunday Morning Church. It was Monday Morning Church. Sunday Morning Church can be happy. <laughs> Money more in church, not so much. So, um, but if you're, if you're open, like we said, and, and displaying professionalism and being humble and thankful, they're more likely to go into depth about what they think about your song or listen to more songs. They're not just going to, they're not going to just shut down. Uh, but also again, it's, um, you know, finding out where the bar is set being the opportunity to show professionalism and to learn and grow each one of those meetings with a pro, even if it's disappointing, there's opportunity in there for success. Yeah. And I I think that's, that's a big deal to go in with that mindset going, okay, you know, it's it's the old saying, or it's kind of a new saying, I guess for me, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Yeah. And, and publisher meetings or pro meetings are definitely a case of if you approach it right, you're either going to win or you're going to learn. Either way, you win something. So it, it enables you with that mindset to go into every publisher meeting going, okay, well, here's plan A, backflips. Plan B is I'm going to learn and I'm going to come out more prepared and closer to backflips down the road. Mm-hmm. And that's totally up to you. 
on your climb if you're going to have that attitude or if you're just going to say, well, okay, they don't love my song. Forget them. They don't know what they're talking about. I'm shutting down or I'm getting mad because they're stupid or I'm just going to play them the next song. Maybe they'll love the next song or the next one or the next one. Yeah. Again, that's wearing out your welcome. That is getting defeat out of disappointment and you don't want that. You want to get success and opportunity out of disappointment. So um, yeah, that's kind of what I had to talk about today. So hopefully that's helpful. And Awesome. Well, Hey guys, um, before we, we sign off here, once again, uh, if you haven't joined the climb community, join the climb community, mm-hmm. just go to Facebook, search for climb community. Uh, we'll get you in. It's a, it's a, you have to be invited in, but if you just request, we'll bring everybody in. You just have to behave like good boys and girls. Yeah. And, uh, and there's lots of really good information that's, that goes on there in between, you know, not just from Brent and I, but from, from people in the community sharing with each other. So it's starting to grow even more. And I really like that. If you yeah. like what you heard, leave a rating and review on iTunes. It makes us, uh, it makes us look better to the, to the people that are just coming in to stick their toe in the water. And if you leave a rating and review and take the, the 20 seconds to do that, we'll, we'll read it on the air and make you famous. That's, That's awesome. Yeah. And, oh, and also I have one other thing for, uh, for songwriters. If you stuck with us through, through the announcements, um, I have an opportunity for you. It's another opportunity and it's the opportunity to actually get in front of a music publisher because, you know, I tell you how to make a publisher meeting a success. Be like, that's great, Brent. I don't have any publisher meetings on my calendar right now. Well, I want to, I want to help you with that. Okay. I don't, I, cause I know that can be frustrating going, okay, well, thanks. Um, you know, how to help you succeed in the NFL. You're like, I don't have a tryout. Well, here's your tryout. All right. I'm having another, a um, play for a publisher event coming up. It's on December 14th with John Osier of Olay Music. So he's legit. He's had his hand on a whole bunch of hits. And so you, you may not know him, but you know the songs that he helps publish. And, helps and you know some of the artists he signed when he was at Curb, too. He's exactly. Like, yep. So John's coming in. And what you can do to find out more about that is you can go to songwritingpro.com. Check out the blog. There's some links at the bottom of it. Um, to our play for publisher event, or the best way is to go to giftfrombrent.com. That's giftfrombrent.com. Uh, they get you on the songwriting pro insiders list. I'm going to send out information about that, let you know the deadline is coming up. So you want to get your song in, but basically in our song, I listen, I pick the 10 best. You join us from anywhere in the world on a video conference with me and John and uh, 10 writers and he'll listen to your song, get feedback, you get to engage, you get the opportunity to hopefully get backflips or display professionalism, see where the bar is set or learn and get better. So everyone is a winner. The other thing is, if you're listening to this in the future, you know, you're going back and you're binge listening. Thank you for that. Uh, but I do these periodically. I do these a few times a year. So in case December 14th, 2017 has already passed, don't worry, there's another one coming up. You can still get on giftfrombrent.com so you learn about the next opportunity coming up. This is not a one-time deal. I'll have a different publisher guest next time we do these. So definitely check that out. Cool. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another killer climb episode. Once again, leave a rating and review and we'll, we want (laughs) (laughs) stick the landing, Johnny, stick the landing. (laughs) Listen, man, keep on climbing and we'll see you at the top.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 